Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of SP to MD. On previous episodes, we've discussed multiple degree routes within medical school, including an MD and an MD-PhD. Today, we're joined by Kelsey Fisher, a medical student currently working on receiving a DO degree in osteopathic medicine. We explore the DO path and Kelsey's journey towards becoming a physician treating Parkinson's disease. It's a great conversation, so grab your headphones and let's jump in. I'm Kelsey Fisher. I am a current third year student at NYITCOM, so the New York Institute of Technology College of Osteopathic Medicine, and I'm very happy to be one of your guests today. And we're so glad to have you. So for all of our listeners who might not know, what is a doctor of osteopathic medicine? How is that different from an MD? That's a great question, Mackenzie. So a doctor of osteopathic medicine is essentially the same as a doctor of allopathic medicine. That's your MD traditional track. So when I say that they're pretty much the same is what I mean is you're going to go through the same amount of years of academic learning. You're going to have your two clinical years, which is going to be focused on learning all the basics of general medicine and all the systems of general medicine, such as gastro, cardiac, And then your final two years are going to be your clinical-based medicine. So that's the same for both MDs and DOs. The osteopathic principle is focusing on other alternative ways to medicine other than those general ones we just discussed. A lot of it's focused on the musculoskeletal system and using different manipulative techniques in order to restore health in a different way. These techniques are usually hands-on manipulative techniques using the body to reinforce lymphatic drainage, to help muscles relax, to relieve pain in ways that perhaps a oral agent could not do. It's essentially just an added component to your medical education. But at the end of the day, you will still be a licensed physician. You will still be able to practice medicine wherever you decide to practice it. And it is the same overall in terms of time, and you will apply to residency in the same way. I think we kind of answered the question, but um, Frankie and Alex, have you recommended this path to any of your students? I can go first and I can actually talk about like personal experience. So when I was applying to medical school, I think one of the big things for me that I was trying to factor in was like, I guess like staying close to home, staying close to family, things like that. Again, we've talked about this for so many episodes, but everyone has their reason to go to medical school. I think one of my biggest things was potentially trying to stay close to home. And I'll say it again, because I know we have Kelsey on the show today. So since I'm from Massachusetts, Massachusetts, it's blessed that it has four really good medical schools and terrible that there's only four. So when you're trying to apply to schools, you run out of schools very quickly and there are none other in the area, really. So if you want to try to get into some like Connecticut has a couple, Vermont has two, New Hampshire has one. You're running out of schools very quickly. And for those of you out there who are about to apply, no need to fear because New York has a million of them. But when you end up applying and you start to try to like locate a geographical region you might want to go to, you're really trying to apply to as many schools as possible in that region. And so I ended up finding myself considering like, how am I going to go to medical school in this area when there's like eight that I can apply to? And, and, at least my pre-medical guidance counselors were telling me like, yeah, you should apply to like 25 to 30 just to make sure that you're applying to enough schools to really be a competitive applicant. 
and there's only like eight or nine in my area. So yeah, I had to start considering where to put my application, what other schools to apply to. And I think the rough part too is that in New England slash in, in, in the Northeast area, there are also a lack of DO schools as well, where I think one of the only ones was in New Hampshire or Maine, if I'm not mistaken. So it was really hard for me to try to find enough schools to apply to. I'm lucky that Stony Brook is still relatively close to my family in Massachusetts. And so I ended up applying to a lot of New York schools, things like that. And so when I was applying, one of my biggest things was being a competitive applicant because you don't want to apply to too few schools and then end up not really giving yourself a chance to get into a school and then what is important to you. And so being close to home was important to me when I applied. And so that's why considering like MD versus DO was something that I was in the path of doing when I applied. I think I'll just add on to that. As Kelsey kind of said, DOs, MDs are literally the same thing. It's just the difference of schooling. Kelsey and I've worked this week together on neurology and we have a wonderful resident um, and she's a DO and she is the most amazing person. She's actually had patients ask her to do OMM on them specifically because she's a DO. So I think they definitely bring a very valuable asset. Do not discount DO schools. Um, I know there is a very big stigma out there still that MDs are better schools than DOs. That is completely not true. So definitely, I do encourage students to apply to DO school. Absolutely. Put a little disclaimer of what OMM means. We all know, but... Oh, yeah. (laughs) OMM is the osteopathic manipulative medicine that I was referring to. So essentially, the osteopathic principle is finding ways to promote healing other than the traditional biological medicine pharmacology that we know and use, and even procedural. OMM is non-invasive. It's using your hands to manipulate muscles, to promote lymphatic drainage, to help you know speed up infection, eliminate pain, reset the muscle spindle in the body to just encourage a faster moving movement of healing. In addition, not always instead of, pharmacology. And I wanted to add on to what Frankie and Alex were saying that when you are choosing a medical school, a large part of it comes from choosing location and where your support system is. Um, For me, my partner, who I've known since I was 18, we met at Clemson University in South Carolina. We both go to medical school together here. And I'm from Comac and he's from Dix Hills. So we're able to still be with our family, still be with each other, and pursue our medical education together. So it's really going to be a personal choice. And in the end, wherever you go, that's where you were meant to be. I think about this all the time. Like, for example, I didn't know a few years ago that I would be here meeting all of you today, even though I'm at NYT. Who would think that in my third year, I'd be able to visit Stony Brook and see neurology and meet so many wonderful people like you guys. So wherever you're meant to be, you will be. That's such a great point. I love that you guys bring up location. I don't think that that's something we've really talked about on the podcast before. So I think that's an interesting angle. Kelsey, why did you choose to pursue a DO? And Alex and Frankie, why did you choose to pursue an MD instead? Yeah, I think for me, like I chose to pursue um, the DO degree at NYIT because that was the way for my partner and I to stay together. For me, I think the best way to be the best doctor you can be is also to make sure that you are at your healthiest. And for me, my health comes from my loved ones, my friends and my family. 
So I wanted to attend a medical school where I would have that support system. At NYIT, I get to live at home in Comac with my family, whereas um, an MD school that chose me was thousands of miles away. So it really didn't make sense. I think it had nothing to do with the different academic opportunities at either institution. It really came down to location and personal happiness, which I think is a very valid choice. But I think it's also important to know that sometimes when you apply to medical school, you don't always get a choice. And it's okay to be comfortable with that at the end of the day too. So if you apply to DO schools and MD schools and have an interview at a DO school and it doesn't work out, you're still going to be a physician and you're still going to work with other DOs in the future. They will be your peers and you can always learn OMM in the future. If you love MD school, an MD school and the same thing happens and it doesn't work out and you find yourself at an osteopathic institution, it doesn't mean you're not going to be working with wonderful medical doctors in the future. Healthcare is a team-based system. We all work together at the end of the day. So wherever you get your baseline training is really the baseline. It only expands after that. I mean, I'll just, off of what Kelsey said, I think very true, similar to, you know, my family's from Long Island, so I want to stay close. So I think that's also kind of the similar reasons why I chose Stony Brook. Stony Brook was my first pick, so that's why I went here. Any medical school, DO school that says yes, you just need one yes from a medical school. It's literally the same thing. You take, you do your clinicals, you do your shelf exams. Everything is literally very standardized, not much difference from med school. So you're going to be an amazing physician. So that's really what matters. And Alex can even attest to this. Like we do the same questions like throughout the week, her and I have been reviewing questions together, learning from each other and learning how we can grow in our own strengths. Like Alex has years of paramedic experience where she's out there using those skills day to day. Whereas someone who maybe doesn't have those years of experience, I was a medical assistant in an outpatient office. That's very different from acute care. Very, very different. So it's really amazing to just work off each other. And at the end of the day, like we'll both be great physicians and you grow from your peers. So wherever you're meant to be is where you're meant to be. Yeah, and I can attest for how I came to choose Stony Brook for the MD path. So I will start with when I was taking gap years, I actually had an opportunity to shadow an orthopedic surgeon back home. And the orthopedic surgeon was actually a DO and he had gone to school in New Jersey. And, you know, at the time I wasn't really too familiar with the DO system and I hadn't, I wasn't applying yet. So I kind of asked about it and he actually mentioned that because he went to a DO program, he actually felt way more comfortable with the anatomy in terms of orthopedic surgery because they spend so much more time with the musculoskeletal system than like an allopathic medical school would. And so that was like something that like greatly benefited him when he um, attended the New Jersey DO program. And then after that, ended up applying to medical school. And what sold me to specifically come to Stony Brook was Dr. Jadan Phillips, which we'll probably talk about like different reasons of why you pick a school and things like that eventually. But that was what sold me to come to the MD program was I was sold with SB Home, which is Stony Brook Home. For those of you undergrads who can volunteer with the service, definitely do. But just talking to Dr. Phillips for an hour, which is how long my interview slot was, definitely like 
lit me up and I was like ready to run through a brick wall to come to Stony Brook. So more of like what helped me pick the MD versus DO program was specifically just that like one hour I spent with Dr. Phillips and I was absolutely sold ready to come to Stony Brook. Yeah, that's amazing, Frankie. And what you were saying just made me think of something too. I think also there's a misconception that um, DO programs might not have the same opportunities, especially in terms of patient care or research. But I can attest that if you want something done, no matter what your institution, if you find a mentor who can be your advocate, you will be able to design whatever you imagine to further your education. For example, um, since my first few months of medical school, I've been working with my mentor, Dr. Adina Leader. She's a DO. She's a neurologist on our campus. I'm interested in neurology as a whole. And during the pandemic, she created this online support group for women with young onset Parkinson's disease. So essentially, that's a woman who's below 50 who was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And for those of you who don't know, Parkinson's is usually diagnosed in a older white Caucasian male. That's kind of the demographic you think of when you think of Parkinson's disease. And I just reached out to her by email because she seemed very inspiring and I was very into neurology and women's health. And since then, working with her, we've presented our research at the World Parkinson's Congress in Spain and Barcelona. I'm the first one to do that at my school. And I'm also the first one to come here during third year for a neurology clerkship um, at Stony Brook because Dr. Leader realized um, at our institution, we don't have a neurology clerkship for our third year students. So she said, if you want to make it happen, if you want to see the job that you hope to have one day, let's make it happen. So your school will have the resources available to help you as long as you put yourself forward and show what you want. You have to be your best advocate. And DO schools do not hinder you in any way in terms of research or academic opportunity. Um, how does your degree fit your career goals and how will it help you in your future position and what you want to do as a physician? Well, that's a great question. So as um, Frankie touched upon with his former mentor um, that he met, the orthopedic surgeon, DO schools provide you with an extra level of musculoskeletal education with the use of OMM. So for me, um, my goal is to one day be a movement disorder specialist in neurology and continue to serve the women that I've been helping. Um, there's definitely a gap for women's health, especially young women's health in this specialty. So I think for me, the OMM will be vital because especially with Parkinson's, it's all musculoskeletal. And we there are some studies, especially that one of the best things for Parkinson's is actually movement, especially exercise. At NYIT, we have a program called Rocksteady Boxing, where it's actually a private gym specifically for people with Parkinson's to box. And medical students get to participate as the sparring partner. So I think for me, um, NYIT not only allows me to learn these techniques to be able to use in addition to the traditional dopaminergic agents, but also just an added way to help relieve any pain that comes with the disease or any neurological disease, because unfortunately, a lot of chronic illnesses in neurology have a lot of pain, whether it's, you know, nerve-related pain, muscle-related pain, headaches, especially too. Like there's a lot of techniques that not only I can do, but you can also teach loved ones to perform safely on their loved ones back at home. So I think my school definitely prepared me to have just a little extra 
level of care that I can use specifically towards my career goal as a movement disorder specialist in the future. Do we just want to do a disclaimer that this is not the same thing as a chiropractor? So I think also sometimes there's a common misconception that OMM is the same as chiropractic. They are completely different. Chiropractic techniques, while some are similar, most of the time chiropractic techniques rely on what's called HVLA, which is high velocity, low amplitude techniques. That's the traditional cracking you see in movies, on your Instagram reels. It's fun. Like it's a visual thing that's exciting and it does relieve pain. We do use HVLA and OMM, but OMM kind of goes beyond that and really working not only on our external, you know, our bones and our musculoskeletal, but also our visceral organs. So what I was saying before about promoting lymphatic drainage and increasing healing, like we know techniques that would help promote secretions if you have pneumonia, encourage colonic movement after a surgery, you know, to ensure that the bowel movements are working and there isn't any stool impaction or something of an emergent situation. So it goes beyond the cracking, if that makes sense. But you can become a a chiropractic doctor that is a separate kind of area of medicine that you can take, but they are different. Chiropractors do not follow the traditional um, medical education in terms of they're not going to have those two pre-clinical years and be licensed and boarded in a specific medical specialty. Frankie and Alex, that question does apply to you guys too. So how does your degree fit your career goals and how will it help you in your future position? So my degree fits my career goals because ultimately, I mentioned this on the podcast before, sometimes when you're around that like 25, 26 year old range, you hit like that quarter life crisis and then you're like trying to figure out what matters to me in life. And so I kind of reached that last year and I I started thinking about like what really matters to me in life and why medicine really matters, that kind of thing. And I think ultimately... I want everyone to be able to like live the most fruitful, healthy life, longest life possible so that they can spend all of those moments with their family members. The biggest thing for me of trying to stay close to home when I was trying to apply to medical school was to try to stay close to family so I could still enjoy my family, see them as often as possible and recognize and thank their sacrifice to be able to get me at this point to this point because Ultimately, like I have a grandfather who's now in um, late stage dementia with Lewy bodies. So I don't really get to help as much as I used to, but I used to be very active in his care when I was in high school and beginning of college as well. And I think that's just me trying to pay homage to the man who like always used to take me to all my sporting events. He taught me how to play baseball, which is the sport that I played for the first 20 years of my life. And it was how I was able to like have a really great relationship with him, all of those things. And thinking about reflecting back on like now this degree, you know, my medical degree will allow me to be able to give other people that same opportunity to be able to enjoy their life with their parents, grandparents, etc. And be able to give that forward because that ultimately is what matters to me is to make sure that other people get to enjoy those moments with their family members. So that's how my medical degree will fit into being able to reach my goals in the future. So as far as me, obviously Stony Brook Medical School, some sort of physician, I still haven't decided what specialty I want to go into. But also because Stony Brook has a kind of concentration in research, I also have more experience in teaching in medicine as that was my elective. I would love to get more involved in teaching in medical school and as well as what I'm doing here, you know, helping pre-meds 
who really, you know, need some advice or need some kind of encouragement to go to med school because medical school is really breathtaking. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I have so much fun on clinicals and taking care of patients and getting them earlier to see the patient. And it really is just the most amazing thing you can ever do in your lifetime. It is so worth it. So that's why I'm here, not only to be a future physician, but also to be that mentor, that educator, and pay it forward as well. Awesome. I love the variety of experiences we have. That's so cool. So does one degree get more recognition than the other in the medical field? I know we've touched on this a little bit already in the episode, but did either of you feel pushed in one direction or the other towards an MD or a DO? Um, I think the DOMD stigma kind of just comes from the fact that DO or the, you know, the idea of osteopathic medicine came a lot later in the game. Historically, it's a lot newer. It's a lot fresher than your MD degree. I mean, originally, the first doctors that we know, if we just look back at Revolutionary Wartime, you were everything. You got the flu. It was, if you need a leg taken off, it was coming off. Like you were the surgeon and the medical doctor all in one. Osteopathic medicine came a lot later. And the thought of maybe not using the traditional herbal elements or pharmacology that they had at that time was a little different. When something is new, it just takes a little longer for people to really understand, like, what is the difference? But in the past, I don't know specifically the timeline, but I think it was in five years. I could be wrong. Um, there's been the residency merger. So now there's no longer DO residency versus MD residency. It's all the same. Um, we take the same boards if we choose. I take the USMLE um, and I take COMLEX, which is the DO exam one and two. The exams are the same. And it's just how Frankie put it, just really an additional, and how Alex put it, just an additional um, area that you learn of medicine, OMM. And at the end of the day, like that's really it. Does the stigma still exist? Depends on who you meet. People who are newer to the field know exactly what a DO is. People who are maybe a little older to the field still don't really know for sure. But you'll even see this throughout Stony Brook. When, if you know you go to Stony Brook when you rotate there, as Alex already said, there are DO residents, there are DO attendings, there are MD residents, and there are MD attendings. So the peer group is there. It's growing. And I think eventually it's not really going to be as divided as maybe we think of it now. And even when I applied back in 2020, I feel like going through it, it's even less and less as time goes on, really, truly from my experience. And again, like with the research and all the other opportunities, going to um, a DO institution has not hindered me from my academic goals at all in any way. Yeah, we had the privilege of working with an amazing resident um, and she's a DO. I mean, she's fabulous. She knows the same thing that MD would. So it really doesn't make a difference in the end. The stigma is just there, but I don't think it makes any sort of difference. I mean, the only thing is that she's like, oh yeah, I had a patient once that asked me to do OMM on her. That's the addition that they know, which is adds to their education. It doesn't make a difference. You still have the same salary. You still have the same, you know, you can prescribe medications, this and that. Teach students. She's taught me so much. Fruitful week, right, Kelsey? Amazing. If there are students out there listening to podcasts who have the thought 
oh no no I don't want to go to DO school like absolutely not I'd rather be rejected the first time my cycle is as empty that's the wrong way to think first of all look up DOs see what amazing things they do they're just amazing people and don't fall into that category any medical school any DO school would love to have you in the end, we work as a team, so there's really no difference. I really do appreciate DOs, and I really am so happy that I met Kelsey this week. That's so sweet, Alex. No, I agree. And again, like I think the goal is, at the end of the day, if you want to be a doctor, you just want to be a doctor. So whatever path that takes you, be a doctor. You got in. You earned it. That means a panel of people who read your personal statement and everything you've done and all the interviews and everything in between was like, you deserve this. So you deserve it and you do and take it wherever it is and roll with it. And it goes so fast. I mean, Alex can even tell you like, it's, you really blink and it's done. So it's, if you want to be a doctor, whatever path it takes you on, take it. And if you have the luxury of choice, that's when you need to sit down with your loved ones, your family, and just think about where you see your future and contact people. Connections are huge. If you look up faculty and you send an email, no one is ever going to be upset that you're interested. I think sometimes there's this fear of, I don't want to bother anybody because all people who want to be physicians are caring people, you know, so we don't want to impose on anyone. But at the end of the day, if, if you're interested and you want to learn more, you're making a huge decision when you're choosing your medical school. Talk to people, talk to med students, talk to the faculty. If you know there's a specialty you're interested in and they have a faculty member who specializes in that field, email them and chat with them. What would be the opportunities I would have here? How can I pursue this more? What clubs are on campus? How's the social scene? Am I going to have a strong peer support group? Because that's also huge. I mean, I went to school during the pandemic, so we weren't allowed to do a lot of things. So really, our lab group was our core. That was our people. But now that that's kind of on the end, that's a whole new question you have to ask yourself. Because medical school is hard, but it's amazing, as Alex said. And one of the most beautiful parts of medical school is learning from others. Because it just makes you stronger it's the best to just bounce off each other because you all love medicine. That's why you're doing it. So what really struck me, Kelsey, I don't know if you can kind of elaborate. The residents are the backbone and they have so much love for teaching. Like it is just an outpouring of love and support from them. And they understand what we're going through because they literally just stepped off that boat. It's just such a loving and supportive um, environment. I was shocked, um, especially with fabulous residents that we had this week, which were amazing. Medical school is just such an amazing place that you just go where you get accepted. It's the same thing. Absolutely. And the same thing goes if you get into an international medical school too. Again, that's a different conversation, but you're still an MD. You're going to still take step one and step two and go through the same process. And most often, you'll do your clinicals back in the States. You'll do your preclinicals there. Depends on where you go. But it's all the same. And you're a doctor. Four years. Four years and you're a doctor. So in whatever way you get there, whatever place you're set, if the goal is to be a doctor, you will be one wherever you go. 
I feel like that was such a great conversation. It was such rapport, like back and forth. That was really great. For our next question, what are the advantages of becoming a DO? Why would you recommend this path? And I know you touched upon the additive stuff. So what advantages do you think come with that if you want to add more? I think when it's like, what advantages? There are no advantages. I really think the MD and DO academic path is equivalent. The advantage to going to a DO school is that you'll be a doctor. The advantage to going to an MD school is that you'll be a doctor. At the end of the day, that's the goal. And I know it's hard because as type A people, we're always weighing pros and cons. Like we want our pro list to be long. Like what is the advantage? What is the best reason why I should go? But it's really just like gut feeling. Like if you have the choice, you're going to choose the one that calls to you, the one that has the best resources, the one that has your family, your friends, the academic things you're interested in. For Alex, it was teaching. And other than that, like there is no advantage. It's just at the end of the day, I get to be a physician. That's the best advantage of all. I think that off of Kelsey, no matter what medical school you go to, you'll find your advantages. My class is probably the most amazing class. And then you just work with residents and then you can work with visiting students from other medical schools, such as Kelsey. I mean, what a blessing she was this week. No matter where you go, you'll find these advantages. And honestly, in the end, you'll be studying so hard and you'll have that doctor mindset in sight that really just being there will be an advantage altogether. So it's really not going to matter in the end. Yes, I'm sitting here as a second year telling all of these friends who are listening to our podcast, it doesn't matter which med school you go to because that is really the truth. If you get into med school, the stars and moon align, just say yes. Because you're essentially saying yes to becoming a physician. And that's the most important thing, the most beautiful thing in the entire world that could happen to you. Trust me, I'm having the time of my life. Taking care of patients and being hands-on, that's what we want to get to. So that's my little short two cents about that. The only thing I will add, because Kelsey and Alex have had a wonderful exchange for a while, is the real advantage anywhere, whether or not there's a bias or not, is whoever has great exam scores when you're applying to residency. That's literally it. They do not care if you came from an MD versus a DO program. If you're worried about that and you're applying now, you're worried about the wrong things. You need to worry about other things in life. As I mentioned in all of the other podcasts, life is short. Call your parents. Do those kinds of things. Those are things you should worry about. But don't let this make you lose sleep at night. Sure, the application process to medical school, that can make you lose sleep at night. I understand that's stressful. But if you have the resources and you have the ability to apply to both DO and MD programs, there's absolutely no difference at all once you're actually applying, once you're actually in, and once you actually graduate. The only things you need to focus on is actually succeeding once you're in the school and making sure that you're giving yourself the best footing to get into residency. You're still going to come out with loans, no matter if you go to DO school or if you go to MD. That's very true. I love it. But yes, so also a big defining factor is financials. So if the path is the same and it's cheaper for you to go somewhere else and you have a good support system at that place and you will equally succeed in both places, I recommend that you set yourself up for financial success and you go to the more affordable medical school. All jokes aside, but yes, I agree. Yes, Frankie, you you do want to research and you want to make sure you're going to an accredited institution. 
because that's very important when you graduate, and an institution where their students are successful. So what do I mean by that? Are they passing their boards? Do they look happy when you research the school? Because that's another key component to success. And are they matching? And are they graduating? I will say this is one of the best episodes in terms of conversation that's been happening and just kind of you guys actually already answered some of our questions before we can even get there. You guys are just on top of it. Do you guys have anything you want to add um, before we close this up? Keep your hobbies, <laughs> whatever school you go to, keep your hobbies. I mean, I'm, if you couldn't tell, a, a former theater kid. So, I mean, keep singing, keep dancing, keep acting, whatever it is. I also think it's great to make sure once a week you schedule time for you, whether that's date night, whether that's dinner with family, you have to do it. Because even though we're all type A people and we see a 97 and our eye starts to twitch, like, you know, it's okay. Um, those three points you lost were worth it to be home with your loved ones, like Frankie said, because in medical school, you're in this weird matrix of time where time passes on and you're just stuck studying in the same place and you don't move. Make sure you take the time to live. You're still most likely going to be in your mid-20s, young 20s. Enjoy that time. Enjoy the beauty of that time. And it'll all work out at the end of the day. It'll all work out. I want to add one thing too. And for those of you out there that are like still considering MD versus DO, maybe still like believe in the stigma, that kind of thing. The way that I love to think about this is, especially even with like patients, now that we're seeing patients, a lot of people out there, and I think this is like almost everyone out there, like you believe in some sort of alternative medicine. Where you draw the line, okay, that's up to you. But if you're believing in something, then why not just also like start researching and looking into DO schools? Like there are so many people out there that like do herbal supplements and then they're like, ah, no, but MDs are better or something. It's like, well, you're already going into a realm of where there's other possibilities in terms of treating people. So broaden your horizons. DO programs will do a lot of different pathways that can also treat the human body, not just, okay, take this like little blue pill and then hopefully your chest pain will go away. You can consider all these different things, whether it's manipulations, whether it's different alternative things that you can do for your body. Like those are all things for you to consider. If that's something that you really look forward to in the future, or maybe you come from a family who believes in more natural ways to heal the human body, those are things for you to consider when you're applying to med school. Thank you, Alex and Frankie, as always, for being here and sharing um, your knowledge. And also thank you to Kelsey for coming on and sharing your Friday evening with us to share your experience um, as a DO student. So thank you, everyone, for listening, and we hope you tune into the next episode.